Welcome to the My Gastric Sleeve Podcast with your host, Nima Karazi. Nima is just a regular guy who had the gastric sleeve surgery, and this is his story. He is not a doctor. This podcast is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have medical questions, ask your doctor. Now let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the My Gastric Sleeve Podcast. I'm your host, Nima Karazi, and this is my journey. Today, we have an amazing guest. This lady, Jolene, I'm not even going to try to pretend like like y'all don't know who she is. She's at jolene.gets.fit on Instagram. She's amazing. She's incredible. I can't wait to... I'm just going to get right into the conversation because I'm just so excited about this. Jolene, thank you for being on the show and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to join you today. I've been listening to your podcast for so long and I find myself laughing or even dancing or even screaming, oh shit, sometimes in my car because it's so hilarious. So I'm so happy to be here and be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, uh, we met, this is, so this is a little bit of a backstory between you and, oh, and before I get started, so most people would spell Jolene, J-O-L-E-E-N or J-O-L-E-N-E, but because Jolene is so smart and funny, she spelled it Jolene, like lean, like thin, skinny, like she's J-O-L-E-A-N dot gets like g-e-t-s obviously dot fit f-i-t so it's <laughs> lean like skinny i love it i love that. yeah because that's what i want to be i don't need to be <laughs> double e's more e's in my name i want to be slim lean <laughs> slender fit make me smaller <laughs> so yes that's it. my name i love it i love it i just had i just had tiffany on and her handle is my rny and i was like she's an rn and she had ruin Y surgery. And it's, I was like, this is crit. Like y'all hand up my, my handle is Nima speaks. It's, this is so lame. I'm so lame. It's oh, the puns. Man. I love the puns. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. So, jo- so Jolene and I met through the no guts, no glory podcast. So shout out to Allison and Courtney. And we met up in Seattle and I had heard you on their podcast and we follow each other on Instagram and I loved you on their podcast and it was so great hearing you talk. So if you want to hear more about Jolene's story and history and what she's doing and what she's been and where she's been doing and how she's been doing, you can listen to like her, what, like six months ago mm-hmm. on, on the No Guts, No Glory podcast and then now today on on the My Gastric Sleeve podcast. So we could see the little bit of a difference there, but I, I purposefully, and I, this is the caveat I'm going to put out here, and I, I may be just giving myself a break here, <laughs> but I purposefully didn't listen to that podcast because I didn't want to get any ideas of like updates and whatever. And I also didn't go through your Instagram stuff at all. The only thing I checked was your handle because I wanted to make sure I got that right. And the fact that you have 21,700 followers. <laughs> so that was it. And I want to hear every, I want to know all the things and, and more than anything. And I have to, I'm, I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. I want to talk about your pictures because your pictures are epic. So 
Let's just start there. Let's let's start <laughs> let's start with the pictures because your pictures are like you took a lot of pre-surgery mm-hmm. photos. I did. What, what inspired you to do that? Oh my gosh, I did, I did. And it was during the time that I was learning about bariatric surgery and mm-hmm. getting all the advice and looking at other people's experiences online. And I even took notes like, what did they do? <laughs> what did they think? What did they like? What did they hate? Because I want to be prepared. If I do this, I need to know what's going to come at me. And yeah. I kept repeatedly seeing some of the same comments. And one of them was, I wish I had more pictures. I wish I took photos. I wish I knew what I looked like, how big I was. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that I could see my transformation, see how much change I made. Um, And then I saw that there was some advice from people who had weight loss surgery. Um, Maybe I think it was like five or eight years ago. And they said, you know, they've gotten off track. And one of the things that they wish they had more of was pictures because they bet that if they saw their progress and uh, was able to reflect back other than using their memory, that might've inspired them to keep going or at least have like a picture on the fridge so they don't open the fridge door. Um, And so I thought, you know what? I keep seeing the same comment. I'm going to do that. I'm going to bucket up, (laughs) take those photos. Um, you took so many you took so many photos and they're great lighting and they're and the reason why they're so good i i i know i'm gonna interrupt you like a hundred times and i'm (laughs) i can't even apologize because i'm so excited about this That's okay this is just my favorite so here's the thing if y'all don't know jolene first of all shame on you but second of all shame on me for not sharing her with you earlier but this is the thing about your photos that I love so much. You took before photos like you were preparing for after photos. Like you took photos of you in like a bikini in front of a mirror. And then you photoshopped that with a skinny version of you in the same bikini, but like a five sizes smaller or however girl sizes work. <laughs> I don't know. And then and then took the same pose. And I was like, I'm floored. Like I... Just recently, I was I was looking for photos of me when I was like 400 pounds to compare to me now, and I can't find any. And Aww. I'm like, man, that's – yeah, that's a super bummer. And I'm like, I, I wish I would have taken more because also the photos I took before were like me in my boxer shorts. Mm-hmm. So there's only so many of those photos you can share without it just looking creepy <laughs> after a while. Yeah. Did you have like I... a whole photo session with your husband or – Uh, I did it by myself in secret because (laughs) I, first of all, am always covered up around other people as well. I've always had this insanely weird subconscious thing about my jiggles, wiggles, flaps. Like, I don't even like working out in front of people. You know, it's just, it's, it was always kind of like a shameful, scary thing for me. So I literally locked my bedroom door. I put on my little matching outfit and I have a wall right across my bed that is completely blank, no pictures or anything. So I took a whole bunch of pictures, different poses, and um, I kept those on my phone. And then when I had surgery, I knew I am going to promise myself that I'm going to take those photos again and I'm going to use that and make sure that I don't ever go back to that again. And 
I tell you, I didn't. It was one of the most inspiring <laughs> things. Those days when you feel so horrible or yeah. those days when you just don't have any more energy or those moments where you just want to eat one more of those little gold Ferrero Rocher <laughs> candies that we just can't get enough of. Like I whip out my G. I, I'm not kidding because it's like an accountability account for me. It's literally my diary where I get to see, you know, where I came from and where I I don't want to go back to. So yeah. I look at that and just sometimes the hunger pangs go away or sometimes it just moves my butt off the couch. Um, or sometimes it just makes me, um, you know, take a moment back, reflect. And I love that I did that. And that was some of the best advice that people out there in the weight loss community shared on IG before I had surgery was to really think about this experience as a self, um, project, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you're going to want to see where you started. And then you're going to want to make sure you get to that end. And for me, it's pictures. I mean, yeah. the most motivating thing I used to trust was always pictures of skinny people and Jennifer <laughs> Lopez and her little bikini and things like that. But I was like, you know what, it needs to be me. I need to be motivated by me. I yeah. Love Pinterest and saw so many quotes where it tells you that you should compete, but against yourself. You should always be better, Ooh. but better than yourself. Never compare yourself to other people. So I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take pictures of me and compare myself. Then, so I made sure that those were going to be my starting point or my inspiration. And you know, like being a visual eater. I'm yeah. a visual person, so I made sure it was a blank wall with the prettiest little outfit that I would <laughs> love to put back on in the future. Well, <laughs> and I, I took it. a whole bunch of images. I did get two outfits. So one that was like an underwear <laughs> set and, and then one that was like really, really pretty. Um, so those were my two goals. And and I there's never a moment where I feel like, oh, I took enough pictures. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's never enough. Even at my largest, I should have did more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, agree. I just, I just, I feel like if I saw more perspectives of what I looked yeah. like before, I bet that would continue to be a motivator for me. And I feel like, you know, looking on IG and everywhere else online, it seems to be a great motivator for everybody else. You know, they see Absolutely. themselves getting better. So um, I say, yeah take the pictures. <laughs> Don't be scared. Anybody disses you about taking pictures of yourself, uh, let them know, hey, this is what's up. You know, if there's anything that we yeah. should aspire to, it should be aspiring to be our better self. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I love that. I think I think the idea of taking photos a bunch before, it's just, I think even if you don't, if you're not considering posting them, like when mm -hmm. I took my big pictures, I didn't think I was going to lose this much weight. I just thought I'm going to take these photos and then I can compare because I feel like I might lose 50 pounds, but I want to see the difference in like my back. I want to see mm -hmm. the difference in my legs. I want to see the difference in my stomach. But when it got to like a hundred pounds, I was like, holy shit, this is like <laughs> serious. This is a big deal, you know? Very big deal. Yeah. So that was like, that was like the big motivator for me. So I, now that I see that, I'm like, yeah, I wish I would have taken way more photos, but there's a, there's a, there's a photo of me in Salt Lake city with my wife, Michelle, who you met in, in Seattle. Oh, she's and so then, lovely. 
she's the best. That's why I call her the lovely Michelle. Yeah. And uh, and two of our friends were were in SLC together, and those two friends are uh, coming out here in a little while, and I was probably the closest to four ten back then, and I want to recreate that photo and put them side by side just to kind of show because I am the biggest. I feel the biggest. And I think I think a lot of people are like, oh well, you're fit now. You know, you run now, and you you hike, and you ride your bicycle, and you play tennis, and all this other stuff. And so it's different. And for me, yeah, it's a little different. I, I get that for sure. But the weight being off is more than just my shirt sizes. Like I can go shop at at Target or at a regular store and don't have to go to DXL, even though shout out to DXL for supporting me for so many years, but (laughs) I don't have to buy my pants at a big guy store. I don't have to buy my, it's more than that. It's that I can walk without pain in my back, without pain in my knees. I can walk and know in my, in my head and my heart that I'm going towards the right direction. And and I, I don't know if I'd be here now, if, if I still was, as big as I was going to be and bit bigger now, I'd probably be 430, 440. I mean, God knows what other ailments I would have right now. And I've asked other ladies before, and, and I, I feel like this may be, I really hate making things like a guy-girl thing, but I do feel like women are a little bit more hesitant to share weight number, but more readily share sizes. So... Whichever you feel more comfortable with, I just think it helps people overall. But would you feel comfortable sharing either one of those, like where you were and where you are now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not shy at all, especially because, you know, I was able to hit some milestones. I think if you asked me in the beginning, oh, yeah, I'd be scared. (laughs) Um, That's also the reason why I opened up my IG was so that I can commit it to the world and put it out there. This was my number. This is what I'm going to change. Um, Yeah, I started really high, almost 260, you know, and it was it was a painful number to look at. And it was a painful number to carry. I mean, I would walk upstairs and my knees would hurt, I'd be out of breath. And that was one of those moments where, you know, even my son, who was so little, looked at me at the top floor of our house and said, are you okay? Because I was huffing and I had to pause. And I thought, I mean, (laughs) I can't even get up two flights in my own house. It's horrible. But I tell you, now that I'm standing at, you know, 141, uh, more than a hundred pounds down, uh, seriously, I run up the stairs and a few times I'll get to the top and I'll remember that that exact spot where my son was like, are you okay? And now I'm standing at the top of the stairs saying, I am okay. Oh, and man. I love it. And and just like you were saying, those moments when you think about your old pictures and then where you're at yeah. now and, you know, where those clothes took you and knowing your number before, it brings back so much yeah. that it creates those aha moments. And those are things <laughs> that I love. And those are aha moments. I talk about them a lot. Like if, if you have heard the other podcasts with no guts, no glory, um, I really stress these because I live off of these moment of joys and Oprah had coined it. And she said, aha moments are things where you have like, um, a second of realization. It's like something comes to you and something clicks in you. 
and it sticks with you. It resonates with you. And I tend to notice those a lot more because I'm becoming so self-aware and I live off of that and climbing the stairs, clothes, like you were saying, those bring me those little moments of joy that I literally thrive off of. It like feels a hunger inside. Do you get those? I love it. You know, I, I don't have, I'm not very conscientious of it now because I had the surgery during like COVID time. And so I was already working from home at that time. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't the office difference change. Like when I, I've worked at other companies that didn't have elevators and you had to go up a flight of stairs every day to go into work or two flights of stairs to go into work. And I was like, God, oh, this is like the worst thing ever. Like I almost wanted to transfer downstairs just so I wouldn't have to go up actual stairs and they were like, you have to be an engineer. And I'm like, how, how, how expensive is, is it to become an engineer? <laughs> Because I might just go to school to do that. First of all, get my parents off my back. But second of all, I could not have to go upstairs anymore. But I talked to Courtney. And I, I mean, you know, Allison and Courtney are my favorites. But I talked to Courtney and, and we were we were discussing on, on my show, I think. And she said when she used to work, she would walk up the stairs to to go to her office. But she would hide in this one hallway in this in this room that nobody ever used to catch her breath before she walked through the main door to go into the main office area. And I was like, holy shit, that is my whole life from like 25 to like 35 was me Mm -hmm. just constantly trying to hide how fat I was. Not that I was fat, but how out of shape I was, how fat I was Mm -hmm. and constantly just trying to like, like, running up a hill with your friends and then being like, all right, I'll meet you at the top. And then right when they hit that corner, you just like almost pass out because you're trying so hard to keep up. And those moments now, I know those same friends of mine, I would kick their ass <laughs> a hike or a run. <laughs> like I just know it. There is your aha yeah, moment. Yeah. Seriously. And that is a major one, like just to know those things and then how much like joy it brings up, you know, and emotion brings to the top all of those boiling old feelings that just like evaporate with this amazing feeling that you've done something special, unique, challenging, um, just top peak, mountain peak cut and stuff. And oh my gosh, that's one of them. Yeah. No, I I know that we're already like a few minutes into the podcast but I I didn't ask you what prompted the surgery that you had like what was it that finally like tipped the scales no pun intended and then also uh what surgery did you have because I also don't know that scary question because I feel like there's no one big answer um what made me want to do the surgery gosh I think a lot of people can resonate with the idea of shame uh pain in their body um, those are two of the, the biggest things. Um, but I gotta say, I actually put it off. I didn't, you know, decide one day I want to do this. I actually yeah. had a doctor tell me my primary care say you and your health are going down oh, no. fast. And I think I need to refer you to a bariatric program. And I was like, are you sure? I don't think so. (laughs) And, you know, here I am lugging around at 260 pounds, living a great life, traveling, eating. I don't, there was nothing that 
made me feel like life was horrible. I was living in the moment. I was still yeah. doing stuff with my family. Um, I knew I was big, but I did not feel like I was unhealthy or morbidly obese like I see on TV and shows that's so yeah, scary, yeah. like you're on the verge of, of death or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't feel that way. So I told her, oh, no, it's okay. I'm not ready for that. I don't, I don't think I'm old enough for that. I don't think I'm large enough for that. It was like a year of that. And then at one point, she's like, you know, we're going to need to increase your metformin. And I was like, well that's a sign. So in addition to me declining medical advice from my doctor, um, I just had to look at myself and say, what the hell, Jolene? I was literally sitting at work. And this is where the irony comes in. I work in healthcare. I work (laughs) in cardiology. And you know what I do during the day? I do cardiac stress tests for people to tell if they have heart disease. (laughs) So here is a little lady with size 2XL scrubs putting me on a treadmill saying, you need to run faster, you need to eat healthier. What kind of BS healthcare is that from me? I I thought I cannot be telling people what to do when I am neither living that nor a role model of it. It just felt shameful. And then, you know, not being able to do all the things my kids could do. They're very athletic. You know, those are genes from their father. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not mine. And they're in sports and I'm taking them to all of this. And I'm not, you know, living what I encourage them to live by. The lifestyle match is not there. So there was so much shame around it. And then for me, physically getting around my knees, I can't paint my own toenails, bending over hurts. I pre-tie all my shoes um, because I don't want to, you know, it's so hard to bend down and tie your shoes every day. How ridiculous is that? So I do those fancy little ties so that you can just slide your feet in and go about the day. breath the whole time. I used to have a joke I would tell on stage when I did stand up, that was like, if, you know, being fat is bad for your health and this and that, but it's also sometimes if you go to tie your shoelace and you're holding your breath for too long, you could pass out and hit your head on something. So if you notice fat people tie their shoelaces on the side of their shoe, because they can't get up and over the top of their shoe. So if you're ever in a bathroom stall and you see the shoes laces are tied on the inside of those shoes that's a really big dude in the other <laughs> stall so you should get out before it gets bad and the we're thing giving is that, away secrets that's true that's exactly what it was and that's the funny thing is that when you tell this joke to fat people they don't laugh they just go yeah man that's true yeah. and yeah. when you tell it to skinny people they're like ha 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 no it's not and you're like oh you've never You've never dealt with that. They never walked in our pre-tied shoes. <laughs> oh, I love the loafer. Are you kidding? I lived for a loafer. I'm a Pacific Islander, so I love my slippers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm living off of, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. So, yeah, one day I was like, you know what? I need to listen to her. I work in healthcare. I'm supposed to listen to a doctor. And so I went out and did what she told me to do. I went to the bariatric program. They have a seminar. They teach you about it. And then I checked off the entire list. It took a few months um, and a whole lot of testing. And 
I finally got to meet the surgeon. And then he told me, nope, we're not going to go with a simple huh? VSG. Oh, you okay. are morbidly obese, which I thought I wasn't. You have a BMI over 52, which I didn't realize it was that high. Oh um, you are on diabetes medication with high blood pressure, and you're at risk for everything else. And I was like, well, am I really? I mean, the level of denial. <laughs> and then this surgeon tells me, we're going to give you the Sadie. I think that's oh, okay. the best one for you. And I was like, Sadie, okay. She sounds nice. What is she about? <laughs> so I went to learn about Sadie, not a stripper, unless you consider right. taking out 80% of your stomach. Yes, it is stripped out. Um, and I got the single anastomosis duodenal switch. Yeah. And pretty much a VSG with yeah. also a reconnection to um, the middle of the intestines. So okay. you're getting um, restriction in the VSG, and then you're also getting malabsorption with a bypass. And okay. so he said, this is going to be the most successful uh, for you. It also is a bit newer, but it also has had much more higher success rate um, for people with your conditions. So wow. I did the right thing. I followed yeah. medical advice. And since then, I've followed every single rule <laughs> that the bariatric program has given me. And I'm not joking. I did everything from start sipping before surgery, prepare mm -hmm. and plan, buy everything that you need, take your yeah. vitamins every day. Uh, yes. Here's your protein and hydration ounces. Make sure you take those in every day. I mean, it was every little rule that they had. Yeah. Um, I followed it. All I the stages of liquid, soft food, everything, all yes. of it and still to, to now. Yeah, oh, wow. They even, okay. Yeah. They even make you sign this self-contract, I guess, that they oh. had called it. And it's that you are going to stick through the program for the first five years. Okay. And um, they highly recommend do not have any like cosmetic surgery to remove any skin or anything until they fully evaluated you and make sure that you're at a stable, healthy weight. So they follow you. Oh, they wow. stick okay. with you for a long period and make sure that you are in line, uh, <laughs> you're staying in check, that you're not trying to use this as a way just to get skinny. They yeah, want yeah, you yeah. to be healthy, healthy yeah. all the way around. Yeah. Um, it's a your, tool. That's yes. what they tell us all the time. It's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so definitely I stuck with it, and that's how I got to where I am now. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so you did all that, and you lost all that weight, went down all those sizes, and now you're, you're – so do you still do the water 30 minutes food, 30 minutes thing? You still do uh, that weight? Majority of the time. Uh, when I'm socially eating or out with family, it gets yeah. a little bit harder. And mm -hmm. then I notice it doesn't cause me any pain if it ever mixes, but I do notice it will fill me up if it's something thicker and not just water. So if yeah. I have like an, a little bit of orange juice at breakfast, it may affect how much more I take in. Um, but I haven't seen any issues with mixing or having a little bit here and there. I mean, sometimes when you're having certain foods, you need a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. And so I've noticed it hasn't been a problem at all. But in the beginning, oh, yeah. 
I mean, I would put a timer on my phone because I was so scared. Oh my gosh, am I going to oh, rip yeah. my stitches? Am I going to do something wrong? Is this going to make me sick? Or if I'm in public, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to run to the bathroom. Oh yeah, <laughs> to yeah, a public yeah. one. Yeah, and I so- learned. I learned early on in in this process that I'm very fear motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, so if someone tells me like, "Hey," If you lose 20 pounds, I'll give you, you know, 20 bucks. And I go, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll try to lose 20 pounds. But if they go, hey, if you don't lose 20 pounds, I'm going to take 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, no, I'm losing. I'm losing 20 pounds. Like, <laughs> I'm not taking you on money. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm very... so, <laughs> so that was for me, like, I right after I had the surgery, literally like two weeks after I had the surgery, these nice uh, Latter-day Saints, the um, the sisters came to my door and they were knocking. And I love, but I talk about this on, on my podcast all the time. I'm an atheist, but I'm not an anti-theist. Mm-hmm. So I I don't I don't hate the idea of I love the idea of God and religion and all that fun stuff. But I just don't. I'm just not a believer. That's all. And uh, so anyway, these girls came to the door and we were chatting up and everything. And they were like. Um, yeah, cool. So maybe we could see you again soon. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Whenever just swing on by. And then they came back later on that night and they knocked on the door and they took off. And when I opened the door, it was what they were, Jolene, they were still warm brownies on a paper plate covered in plastic, like saran wrap. And it said, we had such a sweet time talking to you. Here's some sweets from us to you. And I was like, it was, I was so devastated that I couldn't eat it because I was so fearful of dumping syndrome mm-hmm. that I gave them to my wife. And I was like, I need you to eat them and I need you to describe <laughs> them to me. And my wife does this really sweet thing when she's eating something she knows I can't or she eats it. She's like, oh my God, they put like dirt and worms in here. It's gross. <laughs> this is why I love her. She's amazing. <laughs> They use salt instead of sugar? Why would they do oh. that, babe? Ew. Well, she eats another bite. Yeah, yeah. She's, I'm just going to finish this so that no one accidentally eats them. But, oh, these are disgusting. Where where were they staying, though? We should go thank them or whatever. And so, but now I can eat whatever. I just eat way less. Like, when people ask me all the time, like, what's changed? And I'm like, it's, it's just quantity. Right. And because of the limited real estate that I have, the quantity has to go down, but the quality now has to go up because now I'm not just like, fuck it. Now it's like, all right, let's, let's dial it in and see what, what part of this meal do I actually want to eat? And, and how am I going to do that? And, and, you know, where are we traversing this, this pathway, you know? Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you on that. We went to Disney world uh, not oh, too man. long ago. And Epcot was having this around the world food <laughs> festival at the time that we go there, which I did not know. Okay. I did not know. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to make sure on my Apple watch, which by the way, side note, Apple yeah. watch kind of feels like, you know, one of those nineties Tamagotchi pets where like <laughs> you're, you're trying to keep something alive, but literally it's, it's you. You're trying to keep yourself alive. <laughs> so you're that checking right. that thing. So yeah, yeah. at Epcot, I was checking, okay, I got this many steps in. I'm going to go to the next food booth. So it's oh, like, nice. that's how I do live and enjoy food because I feel like I'm a foodie. I love trying a lot of different foods and things. I don't want to say no to anything anymore. Yeah. I now will be more disciplined and think about 
quantity and quality. Just like you said, that's where it becomes so important. And really, we do this to be healthier, but we're not doing this to have a life with less of. I don't want to ever feel like I have to live a life where I'm going to have nothing of something or I have to give things up all the time. I don't want that. I would love to live a life of at least moderation and be able to still enjoy those little things and have more aha moments. So (laughs) like you were saying, so let's eat a little bit of all the best stuff. So if we're going to have a brownie, it's going to be a really good, maybe even a Ghirardelli chocolate (laughs) fudgy goopy brownie. And it's going to be a small petite fleur centimeter by centimeter size, but I'm going to eat that brownie. (laughs) So yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I want the good stuff. I just had pizza the other day at this place called uh, ghost pizza kitchen in Burbank and their pizzas are so good. I've never had it before, but they're on this app. And so I went and I got it and they Mm -hmm. had a macaroni and cheese and bacon pizza. And so they have these big New York (laughs) slices that are like thin and floppy. And I brought it home and I, I said to my wife, I was like, I'm going to have this. Uh, Oh, and I got some um, garlic knots and I was like, I'm going to have this and some garlic knots. And she's like, okay. So like carby carb carb. And so I had half of a garlic knot. And then I took the pizza and then I, I committed a sin in, in the in the eyes of New Yorkers everywhere. And I know I'm going to get shit from this from, from Anthony and from all my New York listeners. <laughs> but I took the crust and about half of the pie, the slice of, of pizza, and uh-huh. I tore it off and I just ate the front part. So I didn't eat the crust or <laughs> that half of the pizza. I only ate the smaller yeah, triangle the part in the front. Yeah, right. <laughs> It was a big slice. It was like 10 inches. So I only ate like five inches of, of the toppings. Yes. But that was like my, I'm going to do. And I remember before the surgery, before all this stuff, I was on some crazy diet. And um, as always, you know, doing yeah. different diets. And I remember posting about, I went to, um, what's that donut place everybody loves so much? Uh, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Thank you. Kreme. I went to Krispy Kreme and they had uh, a regular, like original glazed and they had a chocolate glazed. And I was like, oh, I want to try these out. So I got one of each through the drive-thru, brought it back. And then I took a bite out of the original glaze and a bite out of the chocolate glaze. And then I threw them in the trash. But I took a photo of the two donuts with a bite taken out of each. And I was like, I know this doesn't look like it, but this is progress. This is me just... Trying a thing and not going crazy, cuckoo banana pants, as I like to say, right? We don't have to go cuckoo banana pants. We're just going to do the thing and have it be done. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Seriously, that is one of the biggest things that I want people to know is you you have reached a level of discipline and proficiency in this whole weight loss surgery journey when you can happily say, I've had enough. Or happily yeah. say, no, I'm good. Um, or happily say, this was just what I needed and not have to have so much or go overboard or be in excess or be glutinous. Like that is an amazing moment for anybody to realize that they can be satisfied with just that little bit. That is enough. Yeah. And it's such an amazing feeling and it's amazing skill 
too, I think for people to, to become so um, attentive of what they're taking in, because I have learned that a lot of people who experience the post-op weight gain is oh, because yeah. they don't build that habit. They don't build the proficiency. They don't build enough of that discipline to get them to that moment. So I love that you can, you know, reach that and say, yeah. oh, I'm good. I mean, I, I always feel bad when I throw up food like you too. It's like, ah, I ate only a bite. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. there's so many, you know, you grow up with, you know, the story of, oh, there's kids in Africa with no food. Oh, yeah, don't, yeah. don't waste your food. But I'm like, nope, this has got to go because yeah. I know I've had the amount I needed and the rest has got to go in the trash can. Yeah, I my, love that. My cousins grew up with with being told, and we're we're Iranian, you know, so we have a lot of rice mm -hmm. in our food. Oh yeah, and and so my cousins grew up with their grandmother telling them every grain of rice that you leave on your plate is a sin against God. Oh my every gosh, grain of rice horrible. is a sin just by itself. Okay, so we. <laughs> oh my gosh, this. Okay, so even as a Pacific Islander, it's like we live off rice. You have rice breakfast, yeah, yeah. lunch, and dinner, and That's then right. for snack too. And then they also make desserts with rice. And That's it's right. like you're supposed to have rice, and then they serve you more rice. And they're like, if you yeah. leave it on your plate, that's bad. You know what I mean? And you're ingrained by, you know, your elders and, and yeah, sometimes right. you feel the spirits of the ancient looking down on you because you didn't finish your food. Yeah. And it's those things we got to get rid of. And Absolutely. dude, those are so hard to like mentally let go, you know, yeah. that you don't have to finish all your food. Did you, did you have a big family growing up? Was there a lot of oh, you yeah. in the oh, house? Yeah. A lot. I'm an only child, but okay. um, I grew up with lots of cousins. And on Guam, which is the little island that I'm from, um, oh. all of the my mom's brothers and sisters, they all lived in the same neighborhood because uh, a lot of families' land were passed down by generations. So okay. my grandmother and grandfather gave a little piece of all their, I don't know, uh, numerous numerous acres <laughs> to each of the kids and oh. so everybody grew up around each other so I pretty much grew up with like 20 it would felt like brothers and sisters and mm. um yeah that's just what we all get ingrained with you know growing with with families you all must finish your food you all must help and go cook you yeah. all must oh, yeah. go and set it up and serve and it's like a big fiesta and then none of it needs to go to waste and none of it should go to waste. Right. All of you also need to eat it. And so, yes. you know, it's like this <laughs> cycle of you have to learn to cook. You have to participate in cooking. You have to participate in socializing around food. That's and right. you have to participate in making sure none of that food goes to waste. And That's right. it's all, you know, life is built up all around food and family and more food and more doing things um but that's also the just, love language in in our cultures is, is when someone is. is not feeling well you make them food this is a this is a cultural thing that is really interesting from because i've always wanted to point this out it's a thing that we talk about you like I don't know. It's very interesting. Hold on. I have a lot of lot of ideas right now. And I'm, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to. I'm trying to wrangle them all. Okay. You being born in Guam as a U.S. territory, do you consider yourself an American, or do you consider yourself uh, like a foreigner here? 
Oh, so this is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, many people who are born on Guam um, feel that they are not foreigners. They are American citizens because okay. Guam is part of the U.S. and yeah. you are by birthright an American citizen. So yes. you immediately get everything as if you were born in California, for example. You get your social right. security card, you're a U.S. citizen, you're protected by the U.S. Um, all of that applies and is applicable. However, there are caveats. So if you live on Guam and are a resident, yeah. and because Guam is an unincorporated territory of the United States, you get no voting rights. So meaning you cannot vote for president or right. Congress or anything. Very different. It's not like Puerto Rico, where even though Puerto Rico is not a state, they right. do get voting rights. So that is the one thing that islanders born on Guam do not yeah. get. So some do feel slighted. They feel like they're treated as inferior, lesser than, uh, yeah. that they're not really treated as a whole American citizen that they are. I agree, 100%. Um, interestingly, and this also relates to my life story, is that many uh, Guamanians mm -hmm. um, and Native Chamorros, the Native people of Guam, um, have a affiliation with the military, whether yeah. they are active duty or their family members are or they are children of military. Correct. And in fact, there's been so many years that have shown that the enrollment rate for the army, for example, is highest from this little tiny island in the Pacific based on sure. population. It's insane how many people join the military and serve the U.S., and they are full-on American citizens, but get zero rights to yeah. vote for a country that they have served and their generations before them have served. Absolutely. So that's where my life story comes in. Very funnily, uh, fu oh, sorry. <laughs> Very uh, funny and ironic is that I am also a military brat from, oh. yeah, three generations of servicemen who live... Um, who were in the army and I'm also married to military. I was born in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. So wow, good for you. yes, even though I was actually born in the States, birthright yeah. U.S. citizen, yeah. um, because my husband joined from Guam, we are considered Guam residents. And for the longest time, we have zero rights. Even oh if we were stationed in Florida or stationed in Washington, yeah. zero rights. That would actually put us, if we tried to vote, would put us at risk for fraud or even federal offenses for oh my voting gosh. as a U.S. citizen. What a trip. Yeah, it's It's crazy. almost like, not, not, to under, not to undermine this very serious thing, but it's almost like a Jeopardy question. It you is. know, like, <laughs> what U.S. citizen born in Oklahoma can, can be arrested for voting? Yeah. That would be me. It's you. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be Jolene gets fit. That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's so insane. Of, it's crazy. A lot of people that finally do gain residency. So you have to buy a house and then, you know, build up residency and state oh. or anything. Then you can qualify and then you can register to vote. So it takes what a, pain a in long the ass. process. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult and different. So it's, 
it's hard. You dumb is the this... word you're looking for. It's oh dumb. my gosh, I have so many words, but I don't no, want to yeah. say them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, you you kind of linger in this kind of limbo as a minority or a person with culture um, or that comes from a different place and you're in this space of being an American citizen but not really feeling like or being kind of separated as other or feeling a little lower or rejected in some way because you can't have the same as everybody else and the same could be anything or multiple things you know it's it's that lingering feeling and i think this has definitely become a much bigger topic in this day and age oh yeah um, when it comes to politics or religion or um racism or even equity a oh, very big one god yeah equity yeah and sometimes when i think about that i think about all my family members on guam and how they deal with these differences or does it not even face them because when you live so far away you can sometimes be separated or removed from all of those things and i see that with health as well you know oh yeah for sure yeah people get pulled away and it's hard to think about your health or how to live better be better do better when all of these things are kind of a cloud or shadow over you. So I think it's harder. I would love a lot of my family members to, you know, move forward in a healthier lifestyle and, you know, do many of the things I got to do or had the opportunity to, but we can't. And it's hard to move forward from those things or move away from those things. And how did we get here to this conversation? It was (laughs) stemmed from food yeah, it's hard to move away from food. Oh, no, too. It's, yeah, I mean, food, culture, family, where mm-hmm. you're from. Like the thing that I the 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 second point I was gonna make, and I'm so happy that you shared all that, and thank you so much for sharing all that. It's it's important. I don't think that we have those conversations enough about the U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, Puerto Rico. I feel like these are you know just kind of like territories that we know about as you know mainlanders here and and maybe some hawaiians but i would i would even venture to guess that hawaiians know more about what what's going on in guam and pr than than we do but this is the the kind of vibe is and every puerto rican that i've talked to has and i go don't you want puerto rico to become a state and they go no i want puerto rico to be its own country i want to have that freedom back for our own people the way we had it before and when you talk to Hawaiians, Hawaiians want the same thing. We want our we want our country back. We don't want to be so much associated with with y'all coming over here and and kind of trying to. That's why they hold so strongly to that culture. And mm-hmm. and I would I would presume that that Guam wants the, the same people, the same oh, thing. Oh right? yes, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people that fight for that. You know, they um, really liked how the U.S. has stepped in and protected them. But then it became too much. And then yeah. there's a question. Did they take away from the islanders too much? Did they not yeah. give them enough space, rights, uh, decision-making, or anything for them to determine their own future? Um, are we now in this space where it's really that, you know, very iffy circumstance? Are we 
still suffering under colonialism and yeah. why can't we self-govern? And it's a hard conversation. And some of us are trapped on the other side of it, like me, who has come from many generations of military family members that were committed, loyal, and served the U.S., yeah. we also see the benefits that America has bestowed upon us or supported us or worked alongside of us sure. or, you know, um, training, granted. jobs, yeah. money, education. Yeah. yeah. All those, all those benefits are there. But if, if you don't, if you're also suffering from kind of a cultural lapse or, uh, you know, someone kind of taking over your identity or trying to whitewash your history or trying to kind of impose their their history onto yours and kind of move yours out of the way and then not give you like I understand on in never is that okay but it's definitely not okay to do that and then not give those citizens of Guam the same like the same benefits that you give the citizens in in every other state that you have in this country so you you can't there's a funny saying in in uh it's not a saying i guess it's more of like a a a funny anecdote or question that we pose to to others where it's like uh you're hanging out with your friend and you'll say you know who the actor danny devito is oh yeah yeah so i'll use him as the example so you go like would you like to have five hundred thousand dollars in debt and on your way to prison, but at least you look like Danny DeVito. And you're like, where's the upside to any? This is all, all of it is <laughs> yeah. terrible. The whole thing is bad. All like it got bad to worse. Yeah, that's not that's option one. I, anything, anything beyond that. And it's like, <laughs> well, you could say the same thing about Guam. It's like, do you want to have, you know, all this military, U.S. military coming in and taking over your lands and then having all their bases there and kind of infiltrating your your culture? But then at least you don't have the right to vote. And you're like, where is <laughs> where's the positive? You're protecting me from yeah. from the unknown. Well, guess what, homie? If someone came to attack any island nation within like a hundred miles of America, they would protect anyway. So, I don't know. I I don't want to get too deep into politics, but but anyway, the the point of all that was to say this. Actually, <laughs> this is the interesting thing to me. Me as a Middle Eastern person, when I talk to Pacific Islanders and Asian people in general, I tend to tell them. Up until like five years ago, this is this is the conversation I have with with the uh, API community. Was we're we're very much the same. We're family oriented. You know, the kids stay home until they get married, and then the the parents come and live with the kids when they get old. There's no such thing as a retirement home. The everything is kind of based around like love and food and culture and language and respecting your elders and all of that stuff all of that exists and and for years and years i used to say this this is what's missing in in american culture and the truth of it is coastally that's relatively true when you're talking about the west coast of like washington oregon and california and the east coast of like new york jersey p all that you're right. But when you hit the South and the Midwest of the U.S., that's exactly who they are. They are us. 
They're food oriented. They respect their elders. They are, I mean, they're, they're everything that we are. So in that case, there's no excuse then. There's no excuse for them not to understand us. The, the middle of America is the, are the, and the southern states are the ones that should understand us the most, the closest. And when we talk about like, you know, Middle Eastern nations having such a, an issue with Greeks or such an issue with Israel and has such an issue with this, that, and the other. And I go, look at the similarities. Look at how, first of all, forget Forget all the politics. Forget all the politics, and look at all the things that are that are close to to one another, and then look at all the dishes that we have that are the same. Look at all the foods that we eat that are the same, and and the way that we act, the music, the dancing, the the all the things, the everything. I mean, it's just crazy. And then you, it's a worldwide phenomenon. The way that Europe acts, the way that that Mediterranean acts, the way that the Middle East acts, African nations act, everything is very food, food, food forward, right? Mm-hmm. So then as a, so now we bring it all the way back to the podcast. Now as a bariatric patient, that you have a limited thing, now you have to have this conversation with almost everybody in your family so that they're not offended by when, when your aunt comes to you and says, I want you to eat this uh, you know, potato salad, and you're like, I would love to, but my stomach is the size of a, a, a banana, <laughs> and I don't have any more room, literally, unless you want me to get fat again. Oh, you're looking so skinny. You should eat it. Eat eat some more of this, and well, then I get fat again, and then you're going to talk shit behind my back to my <laughs> other aunt that's going to tell me. So let's not do this cycle anymore. Yeah, you know? it's a it's a sign of disrespect if you don't eat or enjoy what they cook for you or serve you. And True. it's yeah. man, it's a scary thing to break. You don't want to, but then at the same time, you literally gotta be so honest with them and say, "I can't," and it's so <laughs> hard, so hard. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah, it's one. It's just one of those things. It's really. To me, it's it's very sweet and kind, and it comes from a place of caring. But it's also like a very – it's probably the most difficult conversation I've had. Like I'm very nonchalant about my weight loss when people ask me like, oh, have you lost – you know, how did you lose all that weight? Or, or wow, you're looking so good. And what did you do? And I go, not that big of a deal. I lost 130 pounds. How have you been? Let's talk about you. And they're like, what are you talking about? I got to know everything. And I'm like, nah, the doctor cut out 80% of my stomach. Now it's the size of a banana and I can't eat a sandwich and a half without feeling full for a day. Uh, tell me about your kids. You know, like that's, I don't care. I don't care about all, all, all this surgery culminates into is I'm healthier, I'm happier, and I don't have chronic pain all the time. It's just, I just repeated myself because that's what chronic <laughs> means. But I don't have it. And so now I can actually participate in conversations and life and family and friendships that I wasn't able to before. And so how are you? That's, that's the whole thing is like, now let's hang out and have fun. I want to challenge you to roll with it. Like when they (laughs) ask you about it, because literally I've talked to some of my friends and they're like, so what are you eating? You know, can you still even have any fiesta food? And I legit will be honest with them. And I say, yes, I make it happen. So we have these few dishes from Guam that is literally perfect for bariatric people. We have something um, called Caliguin where you marinate and soak like raw 
meat or raw fish or raw shrimp. It's almost like ceviche, very okay. uh, Spanish influence because the Spanish yeah, had yeah. missionaries came to the islands. So you would take that and you would soak it in some lemon and salt with Ooh. some flavors from some green onions or sweet onions. You put some hot pepper in it. I mean, it's a delicious mix. And you know what that is? It's low carb, it's seafood, it's high protein, and it's perfect. And I'm telling them, you know what? That's at the fiesta table. That is part yes. of your culture. You're eating it. It's served yeah. to you. You can totally do this on the islands. You can That's eat right. less and be healthy. You can eat higher protein, yeah. be healthy. You can eat um, healthy natural carbs. So a lot of the vegetables that you know you would yeah. grow in the islands or root vegetables or um, greens, you can get a lot of your carbs in that way rather than eating uh, non-nutritious, fake bleached rice <laughs> that right. yeah. serves oh, yeah. no value. Like Absolutely. I tell them, I would ditch all of that, have Kelguin. I would ditch that, have some local salad. I would definitely yeah. eat fresh bananas and mangoes off the trees. You know, there are yeah. really great healthy carbs and sugars, and they're all in your backyard. You don't have to go to McDonald's, you know, down the street in Jigo. You don't have to stop by Wendy's and Tim Winning. You literally can eat your own food from the island and be compliant in a bariatric program or any weight loss program and lose weight. Like, I think we should roll with it, embrace our cultures, yeah. find yeah. what works in it for us. And yeah. still be able to live in it. Because I don't want to cut myself off from Guam. I don't want to cut myself off from my right. culture. I still want to be able to celebrate it, join in, socialize with family, with That's the right. same foods, with the plate in front of me. It'll probably be a dessert plate with a small serving. But right. Right. <laughs> I want to still eat with them. So I challenge myself to try to flip yeah. it on them. If they say, oh my gosh, you lost so much weight. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. Let me show you my pictures. And then oh, I yeah. tell them, you know what I'm still eating? I'm still eating Kelguin. I still have barbecue meat off the grill. Yeah, I yeah. still have, you know, uh, seaweed from the ocean or, you know, bananas or mangoes off of the trees. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Nima, totally yeah, no. <laughs> lean, to into, lean into it. Tell your family and your friends we're gonna eat that Iranian food. We're gonna we enjoy it, but we're gonna we're gonna focus on maybe the some of the dishes. <laughs> I I just went this other the other day with my cousins to to Rafi kebab, and the way I always describe Rafi kebab in Glendale, out here uh -huh. in LA, is like if my grandmother's cooking was a ten, and my uh -huh. and my mother's cooking was a nine point nine nine. Rafi is a 9.8, and there's Ooh. no other restaurant that gets in the nines at all. It's the closest to my family's cooking I've ever had. The kebabs are great. The rice is perfect. Wow. The stews are fantastic. And my cousins and I got together. And my food came. I got two um, foot-long skewers of, of ground, uh, one beef, one chicken. And I got half salad, half rice. And I got vegetable rice. So normally, like seven years ago, me would eat mm -hmm. the whole plate by myself <laughs> for lunch. Yeah. And then I'd have dinner. That's me too. Then, <laughs> then before surgery, when I would go out, I would have half of it and split with 
someone else at the table or have half of it, take half of it home. Now, by the time I prepare my meal, by the time I cut the tomato up and mix it with the rice and add the tab of butter and mix that with the rice and add the sumac and add the salt and pepper and put, cut up the meat and every everyone else is done eating. And I have two pieces of chicken kebab, two pieces of beef kebab, two forkfuls of rice, and the rest of it goes. And I eat that for two more days, two more meals. And I go, now this thing that was one meal for me in one sitting mm -hmm. is five meals for me. Awesome. And it's still too much. And so it's <laughs> all quantity, not quality. You just have to limit and find the best version of that and then eat that. Now, listen, you challenged me to a thing. Let me challenge you to a thing. Okay, I'm up for it. What is it first? <laughs> You're only on Instagram. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have a TikTok. Oh. You don't have a <laughs> no. podcast. No. And you say you're shy. And I get yeah. it. I don't argue against how people feel. But here's what I'm telling you. Okay. You have such a message to put out there. You're so passionate about it. Even when I met you in Seattle, sitting down and having food and you being so kind and so nice and engaging with everyone and talking about everything. And, and I've, I, I, and the reason why I admire this is because I see myself in this a lot in that when someone says, Hey, I'm, I have a story about X. And then you go, Oh my God, I, this is amazing. I love X and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a story about X plus two, or I'm going to tell you a story about X minus five, or I'm going to tell, and all of this is, or I'm going to tell you a story about plus, which is X, rotated 45 <laughs> degrees and i'm telling you it's you have that and instagram is fantastic and wonderful but it's it's not the place for storytelling True. tiktok yeah. is youtube is podcasts are so mm -hmm. i really feel like you have such an energy that at least you should do is a podcast where you don't have to record your face doing anything. Mm -hmm. You just record uh, on your computer and then you just put, you don't have to edit or nothing. Fuck it. <laughs> just make it simple and just put it up there because it's great. I love listening to you. I mean, I'm obviously biased because I like you very much <laughs> and, and Allison and Courtney and everything, you know? but I think that you're, you're really great and you and you have so much to share and you have so much and and I, I don't mean like I mean listen I, I talk to people all the time and people are like you're so complimentary I'm complimentary when when be, get, this is me giving a compliment sorry I'm again the 20 things going in my head at the same time <laughs> here's how you know I think your baby is pretty and cute is I tell you your baby is cute if I don't think you have a cute baby and you show me your baby, I go, oh, hey, look, there's your baby. <laughs> they go, isn't she cute? And I go, yep. I love how direct you are. That's yes. it. Mm -hmm. There it is. That is what you said. It is a baby. <laughs> look at my baby. Yep. Now, if the baby's cute, I go, oh, what a cute baby. So when, when people are like, you compliment me so much on my skills and this and that. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the shit you do that I don't like, I don't compliment you on. Yeah. So if I'm giving you a compliment about a thing that you're good at, it's because you're good at it. 
Aww, you're so I really you. feel like you should you should look into this a little. I don't want you to do something you're uncomfortable with because yeah, if you're uncomfortable, you it's going to show. I can feel like <laughs> heat in my cheeks. I was wondering why you're pushing your face. <laughs> I do. It's weird. I do. I can feel. I can feel heat in my cheeks, and funny. I can see it. And you know, it's ah. Oh, thank you. I I'm so flattered that you feel that way and that you say that. I it's one of my biggest fears. It makes me stutter. Makes me nervous. You know, oh. thinking of having to talk or record myself or put myself out there and that's why I never thought of like YouTube or I even stayed away from TikTok and TikTok really in the beginning was like karaoke is that yeah. karaoke but dance yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I thought you know what this girl she can't sing this girl doesn't have rhythm I know my place <laughs> that's not sing. my place <laughs> you could lip sync but the, but now it's like people telling us that, listen I have like I have like a thousand followers on TikTok, right? I do a mm -hmm. video, it gets a hundred views. It's not that big of a deal. But you know what? It, it allows me to talk about my bariatric journey. It allows me to, to I, 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 I know, I know for sure you get messages on Instagram from, from probably mostly women that are telling you that you inspired them. Uh... True? Yes, it's very right. true. You just would yes. never talk about it because yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I get messages I all the flattered. time. And, yeah. and, and most of my messages start like this. Hey, Nima, I heard you on No Guts, No Glory. And I'm like, I was not, not for nothing. We, I've, I've done nothing but preach my love and admiration for Courtney and Allison this whole time. Mm -hmm. But I was out before them. My show is <laughs> older than them. <laughs> I'm the, arguably the first gastric sleep <laughs> podcast on on the on the, the market. So like I saw you on their show. I'm like, dope. How great. Oh, wow. How great for you. <laughs> Lucky me. Oh. But they say that and they go, I'm so happy you did this. And you talked about that and blah blah blah. And I and because most, I mean, without exaggeration, 80% of the people that reach out to me are female. Mm-hmm. I'm sure 90% of the people that reach out to you are female. 90% yeah. of the people that reach out to Courtney and Allison are female. Yeah, so true. if you're getting these people that are reaching out to you and saying, hey, you know what? You inspired me. You you educated me. You showed me. You empowered me. And I'm going to go get this surgery now. Or now I feel like I have a, an advocate. Or now I've, you know, whatever. I love that. I live for that. I am that. So I I'm like please yeah send me more give me give me all of this and let me let me direct you to other people. So that's all this whole season is just me like redirecting cuz this is my last season. So I'm Aww. just redirecting all my viewers and I'm like you can go follow my RNY on TikTok, you can follow Jolene Gets Fit on Instagram, uh, you can listen to these podcasts, you can do all this other stuff and like go and find these amazing content creators that are sharing their stories and not just like, not just singing songs and, and doing high fives and skipping rope. Right. We're talking about real shit, real shit that matters. And, and if you can change one person's life just by sharing your story in any capacity, it's worth it. Imagine if, yes, imagine if this true. tool existed when we, when we first started doing our surgeries and, and having that. Imagine if we had all this stuff. 
you yeah. know, all the stuff that's available to everybody today. And it's funny because it's not funny. It's annoying. It's annoying because I was, I started getting messages from people and, and every message I get, I read to my wife and I was telling her, oh yeah, so-and-so said that they had three days of liquid fasting before surgery. I had one day. Someone else had a week of pure liquids before surgery. Someone was in the hospital overnight. I was day in, day out. Someone else was in there for two nights. Someone had dumping syndrome after having the sleeve. Someone didn't have dumping syndrome after having the sleeve. Somebody had... And she's like, why is it different for everybody? Why is every, the the directions are different. The stories are different. All of this, that there's no continuity. Insurance companies have made these decisions and nutritionists, every nutritionist that I talk to is like, here's what you should do. And I go, what about this? And they go, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. I, I was on Prilosec for months. And then my cousin, who's a doctor, did I mention I'm Middle Eastern? My cousin, who's a doctor goes, <laughs> hey, uh, how long are you taking Prilosec for? And I go, I think until I die. I don't know. I They didn't tell me. They just said take one a day. And he's like, well, you shouldn't because it like fucks up your kidney and your your liver after a while. So you need to like talk to your doctor and see if you can get off that. I swear to God, Jolene, I call my doctor and I go, hey, my, my cousin said that maybe I, how much longer do I have to take Prilosec? And he goes, I don't know. You want to cut it in half? Try it like once every other day and then maybe once a week and then eventually once a month, then you can just stop. And I was like, who's what? <laughs> why am I the, I, I shouldn't, I didn't go to med school. You know that, right? Like is everyone <laughs> in this, on the same page here? I, I didn't study need a new the, doctor. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you're not totally wrong. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. That's crazy. No, I love that you, embrace this so much because you have this amazing gift of being conversational and storytelling. And I, I hate that you're going to go, but I love that you are encouraging other people to seek those yeah. that, that can share. And yeah. it's so sweet of you to, to encourage me to, to try to share more. I will. I will accept your challenge. Okay. I will see. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to check back with you. And I will try to come to terms yeah. with being more, uh, I don't know what's the word. Hmm. Being more visible? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. I like that. Uh, I mean, look, yeah. I get nervous too. I get, I get tongue tied sometimes. I get a little stuttery and I, it's really interesting because I try super hard to not show that if I get overwhelmed or, or, or overstimulated, then I, I tend to stutter a little bit. And the worst thing mm -hmm. is if I'm, if I'm next to someone who does stutter, like my uncle stutters. So if I'm, if I'm near my uncle who stutters and I stutter too, which is like a, like a sympathetic stutter. Yeah. So then I don't want people to think that I'm like making it up or I'm trying to act a certain way or it, it is what it is. But I, then I get nervous for, for not, for trying not to show a stutter. So then I'm nervous <laughs> that I'm showing a stutter that I shouldn't be. It's a whole thing. But Are the you more you yourself out yeah, in yeah, that right. moment and you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm you're in my own head. Your own fear. Yeah, you're in your own head. It's like an accent, you know, like they said when Madonna moved to London, all of a sudden yeah, she's yeah. speaking British, like, yeah, when you're yeah. around something, you kind of just take that on a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know that I talked to a shrink about it because I started doing that with with the same with the accents. If, if I met someone with a British accent and they were like, "Raw, how are you doing?" and I'd be like, "Raw, I'm all right, thanks, how you doing?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my god, that's so they're like you from England." I'm like, "No, nah, man." <laughs> <laughs> 
They're like, why are you talking like that, Mom? I've got no idea. And so I talked to my shrink about it, and my shrink was like, so what you're doing is like on a on a higher level, but what you're doing is like your brain is trying to calculate and recognize what's happening, mm-hmm. and you can't concentrate on the words because you're concentrating on the accent. So you're like trying to translate an accent the whole time mm-hmm. you're talking to that person. So if your brain switches to that accent, then it sounds like the same language back and forth. And it's oh a thing that gosh. people that speak multiple like like I almost said polyglots, but I guess that's the word. But if you're multilingual, then you 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 do that because in your head when you're speaking one language, you're translating. Sometimes you're transliterating. So like my family will have issues speaking English because there's words, there's order of of words that are different in Farsi than in English. Mm-hmm. And we don't have pronouns in Farsi. So they so he and she is very difficult for them. So a lot of times they'll say like, oh, when Nima was little, she had weak lungs. And then my wife's like, do we need to have a conversation yeah. about how Nima was a girl <laughs> first before we talk about Nima's lungs? And I'm like, no, no, no. I was always a boy. They just they just don't know he versus she. Mm-hmm. So but oh. like those are the those are the kinds of things, yeah. You wait a minute. You just what you were just talking about just got my brain rolling. So you were yeah, saying yeah. when we're around someone else and we start to pick up those accents too, it's our brain trying yeah. to come to terms with it and yeah. then projecting it. Well, yeah. I mean, what if we're always around like-minded bariatric people and we're always hey. around the same positivity and we're always around people with the same goals in mind? Do we naturally start wanting and hunger for that same kind of thing? Do we start evolving, molding into that positivity or that mind space or that lifestyle? I think we should accept it. It sounds like it's part of our human nature. So if you are directing people to others who are like-minded, who are positive, who have the same weight loss goals, you are still influencing them, even when sadly your podcast ends. <laughs> You're still going to be influencing them to live that and for it to naturally come out of them. And I kind of, I just, it just clicked in my head. I love yeah. that idea. I, I totally love that. Yeah. yeah. There's a saying in, in English, in American English, that it's something like, uh, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. <gasps> Ooh. So like I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know I'm not yes, saying it 100 yes. percent right. No, I think you're on it. There. You're on it. You're totally on it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm close. Yeah, I'm you close definitely to, are. I'm, I'm one foot in the stirrup, <laughs> and then the other one is. Ah, uh, that's yeah. what I need to do, though, because you know, truth be told, and I I feel like I'm doing a little of it now, but so many people were on IG before me giving advice. Uh telling me what's the best thing, what's the worst thing, what to do um, before and after bariatric surgery. And I feel like, yeah, I need to reciprocate. I'm sure that so many other people feel the same. If they're new at this or wondering about it, I could Mm -hmm. share my experience. I could give them my advice. I could tell them what worked for me, uh, what was shared with me, um, what I avoided. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's something to give. I just (laughs) need to think about how, How I can do that? Yeah. I get very nervous and scared in front of anything, even a little camera. 
Well, yeah, but so that, that's the beauty of podcasting is you can just record in Audacity. It's free. Yeah. And then they're not even a sponsor or anything. You just, you go to Anchor and you upload it. And then uh-huh. you just, you record in Audacity, you edit in Audacity and you upload it in Anchor. And then it goes all everywhere. Put it out in the world. Audacity oh my gosh. And yeah, Apple Podcast, all the things. And it's great. And then people listen. And then it's not even that big of it. Like when people are like, how many like listeners do you have? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I get, now that I do it monthly, I think I get about a thousand downloads an episode. Wow. But that's, that's just, that's fine. And it's not, uh-huh. I mean, I'm not trying to like do that crazy seems major to me. Like, you know, someone oh. that doesn't know anything about podcasting. I mean, to think that there's a thousand people out there that want yeah. to hear what I had to say. I mean, just like you said earlier, even if you can help that one person yeah. or give somebody one piece of advice, that's right. Um, that makes all the difference. And really, there's so many people out there. They gave me one little piece of advice that they shared on Instagram and look at where it got me. Yeah. It you know what that thousand is, though? Yeah. To bring it all the way back around, you know what that thousand is, though? What is it? It's quality over uh, quantity. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This deserves an applause for that one because seriously, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have said it better. Jolene, I think that's the name of your podcast. What? I think it's quality over quantity. Oh, oh, with Jolene. oh okay. Okay. <laughs> We gotta. I like. I like puns. I'm yeah. gonna add in something in there. It needs a little pun. You ever watch Jungle Cruise with The Rock, oh. and he has this whole scene where he does all the dad jokes with all the puns? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's me in the audience, like totally excited, loving it, loving every cringe moment that everybody hates and just wants the scene to be over. Oh, I was have relishing you, in that. I loved it. Have you been to Disneyland? <laughs> yes. So when you do the Jungle Cruise ride in Disneyland, mm-hmm. that the the ride director or the boat captain or whoever they are does mm-hmm. all these jokes. They do. And I just, I remember I was the only person laughing out loud <laughs> at these jokes. You and, and me. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things where it's also like having foreign, like I was born in Iran, so I'm also a foreigner, but having like really foreign parents that mm-hmm. didn't come here until they were like 40 or mm-hmm. 30. So then like when something's funny and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And then my mom's like, what happened? And I'm like, okay, hold on. So <laughs> how can I explain this to you in a way that you don't understand? Okay. So 20 years ago, there was a TV show and it was called A-Team. And on that A-Team, there was a, a dude who was black. He had a mohawk. His name was Mr. T. And <laughs> T is also chai or tea, like like the drink tea. And so the and it's by the time you finish explaining the background premise, history, <laughs> and, and Wikipedia page of Mr. T, uh-huh. then he's already six jokes past. And you're, <laughs> so, so now with the advent of DVRs, you can pause the show and explain the whole history of the it. Yeah. But eventually my mom just stops asking because she doesn't want like a whole like I pull out like a, a whiteboard and a marker and a laser pointer. I'm like, so over here, you'll see. We spoke earlier in the PowerPoint presentation. You noticed the deck that I sent you? Did you review it? Good. Okay. 
At so, least you make an effort to explain it. <laughs> Half the time, I cannot reiterate or repeat what they said because I'm so much in-depth laughing at myself <laughs> that I can't even relay the punchline uh, of the joke. If you were to ask me, well, what does uh, that mean? I'm going to be like, fool, you missed it. <laughs> I love it. You're just going to have to accept it. It's, it's a passing it. moment. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, listen, I had such a great time talking with you. It was so much fun, as always. Me too. Uh, this was great. You're the best. I appreciate your time. Thank you for being here again at jolene.gets.fit. And Jolene is J-O-L-E-A-N, like the very punny lean. And then get .gets.fit. Follow her on Instagram. She's amazing. She's wonderful. Not only are your posts great, but also your page of posts is like picture something inspiring picture so that when you're just going it's so aesthetically just beautiful to just see like scrolling through and just seeing all that stuff in the middle so thank you for being on the show thank you for being here i appreciate you i love you send your send my love to your husband send your love to my wife and uh we will talk again very soon and i will see you all next month love you mean it Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Gastric Sleeve podcast. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share it with a friend. Please follow us on all social media at My Gastric Sleeve Podcast, or let us know what you think at mygastricsleevepodcast.com. 